Live on tape from Bushwick, it's Pull Request on Radio Free Brooklyn. Pull Request is an hour-long technology talk show focusing on everything in and relating to technology. Starring three Brooklyn technophiles, Eric Newman. Hi! Chris Grabowski. Hello. And Tyler Dinner. Happy to be here. This week's episode, Hanukkah and the Jews. Um... Oh, sorry, it's Hanukkah and the Holocaust. Um... Both... Both are about Jews. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Tyler. Hello, Christian. Hello, Brooklyn. Hello, New York. Hello, America. Hello, Earth. Welcome to yet another pull request right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hello, Eric. And hello, Christian. As Christian hey, is slowly checking his phone, did you get any swipe rights during our intro, no, Christian? No, I got you something important. No, oh, something important. Yeah. Oh, do we have to go? Do you have to go? No, I don't have to you go. You don't have to go. No. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to make eye contact with me when you're Hold up. saying hi to you? Hold up. Hold up. This is, this is not a way swipe. to... St- I know. This is not a way to start the show, right, Christian. Na- oh. <laughs> hi! Do you know? You know? We're on the air. I know. Oh, actually, we're not on the air. Well. Because, just like a couple of weeks ago, this is a... Pre-recorded episode at the Loom in Tyler's apartment. You, yep, yep. We've got the. Uh, You've got to look at the mic. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Making sure all the technical things are square. Uh, it's always hard. It always is much harder than you would ever imagine mm-hmm. with audio recording. Even though last time we talked about how easy it is to replicate the setup of Radio Free Brooklyn in your apartment, which you've basically done, there's still a lot of a lot of software configuring and a lot of a lot of hand holding and a lot of hand wringing and a lot of middle fingering trying to get all of this stuff to work. And we do it. We did it. We did it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're going to do it again now, and as well as next week because next week will be. On New Year's New Year's Day, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't want to do that. No, no. no. Unless it was just hello, welcome. My name is. All over. Two, two of the three of us will. Two out of the three of us will. Okay. <laughs> well, so, uh, so how you guys been? How how was the last? Uh, how was how was your week? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Um. Tyler, how about you? No complaints here. Oh, good. Well, guess what? I've got tons, tons of complaints because all I do you is... You always I, do. I know, and I save it up until we do the show, and then I could just... And 90% of them are just political. No! <laughs> no, no. I thought you were going to say 90% of them are about Apple. Well, that too. And then my other non-tech... That one's also true. <laughs> and my other non-tech complaints are usually political, but we won't, won't go into that. No, I decided to... Um, because I have a couple days off of work, and we're going into this uh, Christmas ho- holiday, I decided now would be a great time to update all of my stuff to the latest version of things. Bad timing. Bad timing. Well, you know, you don't want to do it during the week. You don't want to do it the day before the show. And yeah, and you did. <laughs> no, no. The, what happened was I only checked it out to make sure it worked the day before the show. Not actually upgrading it. I upgraded it a couple days ago, and I thought it was fine. I upgraded three things. My MacBook Pro, which is from 2013, my iPad, which I'm using to run the show, and my iPhone, which is that 6S with the battery problems. Mm-hmm. So my... I guess the smallest the smallest one could be first, the phone, which apart from the battery well, issues, they've only really... So what? I, I'd say, as a disclaimer, just never upgrade everything at once. Never, ever, ever. Well, it's the problem is, is if you don't do that, you'll never upgrade. And, and no, that's not true at all. Uh, 
I've been putting, uh, sorry, I've been putting a lot of this stuff off for quite a while. Um, and every day you get that notification. Do it, should I up first? When my, Mac OS is turning into Windows. All Absolutely. the irritating things about Absolutely. Windows are going into. Do you want me to? Do you want me to update now? Um, no, no, I'm doing stuff. When do you want? I don't. I don't know. Remind don't, me tomorrow. Remind when me tomorrow? Tonight? When can tomorrow? I, can I tell you tonight. Oh, come on, just come so on. Tell me I can update. <laughs> eight, eight hours, five minutes, and five seconds from now. Okay. Or? Okay, I'll remind you in exactly eight hours, five minutes, and five seconds from now if you want to update. And if I, if you say no, then you'll just have to tell me exactly the other time that you want. That combined, <laughs> combined with the. Very, very much Windows. Your computer has restarted because of an update. When I... I don't get those. That happened to me this week with oh, Mac OS. not fun. And, I, no, I, and, and that's... Wait, you wait, leave wait. your computer alone. Do you have automatic updates on? No. Then... What? what? I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I specifically don't, so I don't wake up to that message of, we've restarted your computer. Perhaps I was doing something. Perhaps I was downloading or uploading a large file. Perhaps I was transmitting data of some sort, and you just pff, restart my computer because you think you know better than me. And that type of hubris is very much Microsoft and is very much the reason why I don't well, use Windows. Also, shame on you for not having a better upgrade plan here. Like, Well, first, hold on, because it's not as easy as it was... To, uh, you you can't shadow upgrade your phone. You can't shadow upgrade your iPad. The mobile devices for iOS you have to oh, just update oh, them. Oh. I have a complaint. Well, hold on. I just as an important distinction for Mac OS, the one thing that I do, and I recommend everybody do this whenever you do one of these major installs. I was on, uh, I was on uh, Captain Crunch, which is uh, delicious. Oh, sorry. No, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was on. I was on Yosemite. I was on yeah Yosemite. Oh, Sam. so you're so it's ten point ten. And I incarnation didn't like El uh, Captain Crunch 10.11, and uh, now I'm moving towards the Sierra Nevadas 10.12. Uh, and the thing is, what you the one of the beautiful things about OS 10 and uh, its departure from Windows is that you can completely set up a new environment for your computer on a shadow disk. On an external hard drive, you can install OS X to it, it'll install all the right device drivers, you can boot to it, and you can set it up and customize it and configure it exactly like you want, so then your real computer is on the old configuration, it's uninterrupted, and it's unharmed. So after you spend 12 hours trying to piece your computer back together, you realize, oh wait, this one piece of software that I rely on is now incompatible with the new version of Mac OS, or they've done something that limits programs' abilities, like system integrity protection. I assume that's one of your complaints about Mac OS 10. 11 and 12? 10.11, mm. 10.12? Uh, I'm looking at Linux for my next looking thing, anyway. Linux for your next thing. Yeah. On your MacBook Pro? I actually, I have come across great things about uh, running Arch on MacBook Pros. Arch? Yeah. What's Arch? Arch Linux. The Linux oh. distribution that is uh, rather lightweight. Um, kind of nice. Just here's your file system. Uh, pick and choose your desktop environment. Pick and choose uh, anything else you really want as a desktop kind of thing. And that it's really just running Linux. Where do their desktop environments come from? Well, you have uh, GNOME is like the probably the most well-known one, and you have KDE. I think those are the two big ones on Arch that you can run on Arch. There's also i3, which is kind of cool. Cause it's like the combination of a desktop environment, but also Tmux. So. What does Ubuntu run? Is that built off GNOME? That it is. It, it is. It's their own one, Unity, but it does have a lot of underlying GNOME uh, software. Oh, it sounds like there's some... Are you like rocking back and forth? No, right? no. Oh. Maybe maybe it's the rats uh, in the wall. It's walls. probably coming from mine. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My my signals were pretty low. Ah, your signals were pretty low. Yeah. Well, we um. They can always be fixed. It's so, yeah. It's always hard to. 
That's the advantage of the studio. They've actually applied acoustic treatment to the room, so whenever people sway as they're standing up back and forth, you're not you're not hearing it in the uh, 90-year-old hardwood. Um, <laughs> anyway, we were. I wanted to make a mention that um, because Sunday is Sunday, right? Is Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, that means Saturday night is Christmas Eve, and it's our, it, we should get in the holiday uh, holiday theme. I wanted to make it more Christmassy in here. How's that? All right. I don't. I don't. Since I don't know any Christmas carols, I don't know if this is a good rendition of a. I mean, it sounds like uh, some like '90s cell phone ringtone, but. Uh... Oh yes. Excuse me. Hello. I have to pick this up. No. Uh, it's Carol of the Bells. <laughs> yes. In eight bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know any of. It sounds this. like Tetris. Sounds it does. like Tetris. Or maybe like an early. It's an Zelda RPG. Game. No, it's an RPG. It's like. You've just found. Final Fantasy One. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Especially, oh, it's one of those, like, so yeah. Uh, exactly, exactly. Did you guys hear about Fallout 1.5? No, no, but that sounds interesting. Yeah, um, so apparently Fallout 1, uh, obviously Fallout 1 and Fallout 2 are great, but Fallout 1 was much more serious and uh, painted a more bleak picture of the post-apocalyptic world. In Fallout 2, they just got a little more fun with it, and uh, and there was tons of cookies and all that other stuff. Uh is or, this I mean of, Easter eggs. So is this one of those games where you have a gun and your map and you run around? You have a mission and you have to run around doing your mission on the map to advance sort of, to the next map. But it's very and then complex. you can complain and then you you yell lag and you uh, and noob kind of as you no, play because no? it's all it's it's single person and there's a it's a post apocalyptic society that's like held together by like a ton of just gangs and random factions of people and like the surviving threads of military and it's super interesting to make different bonds with them and like gain notoriety or, or gain uh, infamy around it and how Christmassy is it since we were talking about Christmas uh, it's not but it's not but so the uh, some of the guys took uh, took Fallout 2 and then they took uh, they made Fallout 1.5 which is kind of like uh, a version of a, a sequel to 1 that's more serious like 1 was uh, and less goofball like two right ways. and it's, it's totally free so it's more of just shooting people on a map with weapons and you get better weapons actually you don't have to shoot people Eric used really to have a slinky but then he straightened it out <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly no I have this I have this apathy with a lot of modern games because everything seems to be just another FPS Everything is all no. you have. Oh no! This time you're in the Civil War, and now you get to use 18th century weapons. No, Who this gives is a more shit? of an RPG. It's the same game. It's the same like game I with said, different graphics. Your slinky was straightened out. <laughs> <sighs> no, I would. Uh, Fallout. The Fallout series are probably the only games I've actually played in the last decade, and I would have recommended them both. Uh, the later ones, three and four, to my grandfather's if they were still alive, because you could totally live out an awesome life and not have like mobility, and you can just wander the West and follow New Vegas and like uh, talk mm. to people and make alliances and like you have to scavenge for shit and like you can just yeah, explore caves. Every and crazy. so many games, so many games. It's are exactly not a Call of Duty game if that's what you're thinking. I was thinking more, more like Halo or they're no, all the it's same. not no. like that at all. It's Even an Counter Strike. They're all the same. All the same. No, this is like uh, Skyrim. I haven't played Skyrim. See, these, I only these play like SimCity 2000 mixed with fighting. Oh, it's super smart. You should play like oh uh, oh RPGs mixed with fighting like Pokemon. <laughs> I used to play that when I was in sixth grade. It's just like Pokemon. Just like Pokemon. Skyrim is almost exactly like Pokemon. Do you do you have um? Do they do they give you missions in Skyrim? Yeah, they're, are they called like, are they called Skyrim jobs? Uh, no, you have to get that. Uh, you have to really get upgraded to get Skyrim jobs. Oh. 
We yeah. tr- we want. I'm sorry. We tried. We wanted to try to make not make sophomoric jokes on this episode since we got a little out of hand with it previously. But that one was such a good. And we didn't. Just yeah. Eric did. Yeah. No. Mm. Do you not like Skyrim jobs? No. No. Well, is it, is there like a lot of phaser on my voice or something? You may be uh, recording the wall. I don't know. <laughs> He's in Pink Floyd. Hello, hello. Across the ocean. Is there anybody out there? There you go. <laughs> um, I was trying to find some Hanukkah music since I found that 8-bit uh, Christmas carols. And Hanukkah never gets that kind of respect. Uh, and if it did, I would complain about it, so I'm glad that it doesn't. But I did manage to find this song by Jim. Hanukkah music? You're kind of giving a genre to one song, right? <laughs> no. I'm what do you kidding. mean? Are there, are there more than one Hanukkah songs? I've only heard Dreidel. Oh. Yeah, there is there is that one. Um, but there's also... This one sung by a Adam famous Sandler Jewish one person. Oh, of course, the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. I forgot There's about three parts it. now. I went walking, you don't want to sing? That ribbon of highway, I saw above me. He's a, it's a Brooklyn, he's a Brooklyn Jew. Sure. I Who is this? Me, he was a former presidential candidate. Valley. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Is this 20 questions? I don't know who this is. It's Larry David. No. It's Bernie Sanders. By the anywho. way, anywho, speaking of speaking of Larry David, I feel I feel like um, my complaints about all my Apple stuff would be would just be better if I sounded like this. And then you know I upgraded. I tried upgrading my MacBook Pro, and it didn't work because there's this new software that's not compatible. Okay. I approve of that poor request. Please complain about Apple in that voice. In the Larry all David the time. voice, yeah. Please. Um, no. Uh, so what I wanted to talk to you about, Christian. And we, mm-hmm. we and this is a, a continuing topic, is setting up a new environment for my old stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked with Tyler previously about how you um, how you learn th- how you learn things this day and age without accidentally falling into old habits. I have kind of the reverse problem. I have a lot of old stuff that I need to bring along and take with me as we march on into the 21st century. And it's it's harder to do that, and it's harder to, with all the hacks and stuff you have to do with the configuration files, uh, that's one of the reasons why I really have, have dragged my feet with reformatting and starting from scratch again. Um, so really quickly, because I know that I guess I'm taking too long complaining here, what's the best way uh, that I should go. I have like 20 lamp sites on my old computer. Yeah. Uh, pseudo rm rm No, come on. Um, no. Uh, for, so I, I'm serious. So I, they I all for, have custom virtual host yeah, entries. They all sure. have... I'm running a local DNS server. Um, sure. So, so I think the big thing here is you, you got to think of what is the best way to set something up that also lets you achieve a dev environment, a test environment, a staging environment, and a production environment across the board that looks the same in a very easy manner. Well, the production environment wouldn't be on my laptop. No, this would be on a server. Right. And hopefully so would your staging and test. Exactly. So, in because of that, that's exactly why I've uh, I've had just OS ten ships with LAMP. Oh, sorry, it ships with uh, the, the it's M and mm-hmm. A and P. It does come Ma- with... MAMP and... Ma- uh, well, no, because I mean, you have to install MySQL. You have the to thing deal is, with like, some really bad file permission issues there. But no. In my experience, yeah. No, and I've got a I, ton of sites running bet- right off of my computer, and, again, and that's why I haven't reformatted. You're not running what you would be running in, in production, technically. You're running uh, at, at its core very different. You're running on OS X as opposed to Linux. So your best way to deal with this is in your dev environment, have some way of achieving Linux, which... As long as you're on a MacBook, you're looking at some kind of virtual machine of some sort. So you're either like a Vagrant or Docker machine, something of that nature that gives you uh, 
ex- it exposes you to a Linux kernel somehow. But I mean, OS ten is is pretty much a full Unix kernel. What more would it's I get? It's not a Unix kernel. It's not even a full one. It's nowhere near a Unix kernel. It was. It's it, been certified based, as a real version based, of Unix for. It's uh, not since, a real version of Unix. It's based off of Unix. No, it was certified actually, as full Unix. No, as of Snow Leopard. No. Yes. No, it's based. It's very it's, different. Yes, it's, I, no, it is based, but it's it, like you're being. That's like you're based right now. No, it's uh, it's based off of. No, but it was, I could have sworn it was certified no, uh, to be. No, if it was a, if it was a Unix kernel, the answer Unix next week. Operating system. That's true. Anyway, we're getting offhand. What is the so I should I should have some kind of virtualized environment? Yes. And then I set up my lamp stack with that. Yes. I know you don't want me using lamp, but I have to for some of these old sites. Well, I, I if, you, if you're okay with remote code execution, if you're okay with easy code injection, uh, then sure. I'm okay. Again, we, we keep having this. I can't go back in time and tell people in 2010 that they should be using technology from 2016 to make their website. Let's, and if I wanted to honest, tell people... Be t- technology from 2008 that you'd be telling them to use in 2010, and back then you were telling them to use uh, technology from 2002. <laughs> what technology from 2008? Nginx? Node.js. Oh, all right. That was the, the 2008 version of Node, I'm sure, was spectacular. With that, its... that was the first one that was considered I, stable. I, I know. So that's if you I'm were saying. a girl, you would have a lot of baggage, and your clothes would be out of style. Oh, I should stop wearing these mid, midriff pants then. <laughs> I, I heard those are coming back, actually. Yeah. You know, actually... I mean, fashion is cyclical. <laughs> so if, I, if, if you dress like the 90s for 20 years, you'll eventually... Make it back. I'm around. ready for us to have the pilgrim fashion back in style. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I want everywhere. a buckle hat. Hell yeah, dude. We just missed Thanksgiving. You could have had your reenactment. Yeah. Well. And anyhow. Anyway, let's press on with yes. more about Jews. This article is called IBM and the Holocaust. What? Uh, oh, I didn't realize we were done with the topic they were talking about. Oh, are yeah. we? I mean, we're not? No. I, oh, I thought we were done. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were just going to say virtualize uh, everything. No. Oh, uh, okay. In fact, I'm sorry. Uh, let's put uh, it back. We'll uh, put it back. The point of that was... The point of that was so that way you can carry that environment over into your other environments. So that way your test environment is just able to take that same exact image and say, now go run my automated tests. And same same thing, you take that exact same image, and you say, now uh, go run that in staging. Then you have some manual testing on it. When you say image, yes. you mean the image that also includes the operating system or just the yes, container? Yes, the operating, uh, the operating system image. Okay, or so, the container image. All right, so it's let, one or let's, the other, let's start, on how you approach this. Let's, I, I need some kind of a walkthrough. So if, I, if I'm if i on this computer, mm-hmm. right now it has just OS X, and I install VMware, and then I put the latest of... I can't put CentOS 4 on it. That would be ridiculous. That's what my VPS runs. I'm pretty sure they're up to like 8. Again, I don't know why, but I keep running into CentOS 4 servers and CentOS maybe CentOS 5 servers. Yeah, I'll be able to tell you the latest one. No, right? it's okay. The point is, when I, ha- I have to use... I, do I do, I have to create an image that I then deploy? I, can, I don't deploy that whole thing well, to my server. Not Well, you... You can. I can create you Docker can. images well, for so the sites. Do- Docker is a totally different approach. Do I do? Okay. So do I use Docker based on what you're using in Dev? If you're using uh, a VM of some sort, then you're going to take that VM image and then using something like a, a Packer, which uh, will actually package that image to a different format. What, do you, what What's a different format? So you have the, the, your image format that'll run on VMware. You have your image format uh, known as an AMI that'll run in AWS. 
and so on. Oh, so so it creates just a package that will then be deployed based on the production environment or staging environment that you're deploying to. Yes. Yes. So I can say I'm using Ubuntu at home, and then mm. I'm and then just create this package of my shit, and it will know based on the production environment how to set it up. Well, ideally, in this case, so there's there's two approaches to this: baking and frying. In the case of baking, you create your image up front, and that image is, has all of your dependencies, all your source code, and then you just hit run. Just files. Just files. Yeah. Any configuration data. All, all of this in in the in the, the baking approach, it has everything you need to run. Okay, so if but if my configuration data is adding to an Apache conf file, how do I set that up? Then you, I have you, to add something. I'm not going to put the whole file in there. So you can have multiple approaches to that. The easiest way is probably configuration management. Configuration management. Yes. Which so you, I use like a Chef or an Ansible. Chef and Ansible. Or or Ansible, plus Packer, plus all of the stuff on a virtual machine. Well. So then the easy way to do that locally would be Vagrant. So that way you just have that Vagrant take that exact image that are also from the same people who make Packer and carry the image around. And then when you go to production, you have something like Terraform or, uh, or CloudFormation is AWS's way Why of doing it. Why do I need this for just a small website? So that way you keep your environment the same across the board. This is exactly like that commit strip article that I brought up last week. <laughs> About guess oh you we've just let, listed literally all of the extra things that you don't need if you just run Apache right on your computer. Yeah, but then you're running Apache using the, the OSX kernel, the Darwin kernel, and which has totally different syscalls. And so maybe maybe if you're doing really basic things, you're not going to run into any issue. But the moment you run into some corner case, and say it's like something like uh, the read syscall in OSX uh, has a different max buffer size. Which I'm just totally making this up. This is definitely not true. Okay. Um, and then how well? How edgy are these edge cases? Not very. If you're looking to uh, tweak some caching in uh, your web server or something, this is something you can easily run into. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And so a real world example of this happening would be like, oh, it worked on my computer. I don't know why it works. It doesn't yep, work in production. That, that is the exact case. Oh. Yeah. Any? Oh. Okay. Interesting. Well, and uh, talking about Chef and Ansible, is that orchestration? That is not orchestration, that is configuration management. Configuration management, that's separate from orchestration. Yes. And that's separate from infrastructure as code. Yes. Right, and we'll talk about all of those things in the second half of our show. Mm-hmm. Because right now, let's go back to talking about Hanukkah or Jews. No, you don't want to talk no, about No, no, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm just, okay. I just had a little... This is from a book called IBM and the Holocaust. I didn't write it. I didn't buy it. But I will read a preview of it to you from a webpage that looks like it's about 15 years old. A tale for Hanukkah Eve. Veils of smoke hung above. Many of the exhausted prisoners, insinate from torture and starvation, slumped lifelessly, waiting to fade into death. But most of the 60,000 human beings squeezed into this unimaginable clearing amongst the evergreens were still running from place to place, performing their assigned chores quickly, proving their strength and viability for yet another day of existence. Surviving the moment was their quest. This nightmare was the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp, a special hell on earth created by Nazi Germany. This talks about, this book, talks about how IBM, with their uh, machines, their statistical counting machines and sorting machines, actually played a role 
in, in facilitating the Holocaust, much like a very popular car maker now, Mercedes. Mercedes built tanks for Hitler. They must have mm. been really good with a leather interior and satin nav, but... And their doors uh, opened up like a butterfly. Yes, exactly. They weren't the only ones. <laughs> Volkswagen, too. Exactly. Do, do your doors do this or this? No, they do this. But the doors... They don't... Uh, so how did it work? When Hitler came to power, a central Nazi goal was to identify and destroy Germany's 600,000 Jews. To Nazis, Jews were not just those who practiced Judaism, but were also those of Jewish blood, regardless of how many times they said, no, I'm just white. Sorry, uh, regardless of basically what this said, to their assimilation, intermarriage, religious activity, or even conversion to Christianity. Other, only after Jews were identified, blah, 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 blah. I don't mean to marginalize it, but we know it. Um, I thought I had this, uh, and this is a very, so I guess, very long rant. Anyway, they had where, these counting where machines. IBM's? IBM had counting machines, and they had to sort through all of the, they had to, it was flagging and counting, counting and tracking people. And, um, that's, wow, uh, I thought this would have more stuff. Maybe they'll, uh, ranting. Dust it's off, like, sorry, go on. Maybe they'll dust off the old technology and, uh, use it for a Muslim registry. No, they can just use oh, the Watson that for dark. that. <laughs> what? They can just use one Watson for that. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I, I assembled more than 20,000 pages of documentation from 50 archives, library manuscripts. This is like one of those, I'm trying to sell you a book web pages, because it's like, it, it goes on, well, it, if the whole book were just what's printed on this web page, then could have read the whole thing. Anyway, um, there's also neveragain.tech. Which is our, uh, which is, uh, says our pledge. We, the undersigned employees of tech organizations and companies based in the U.S., uh, we are engineers, designers, business executives, and others whose jobs include managing or processing data about people. We are choosing to stand in solidarity with Muslim Americans, immigrants, and all people whose lives and livelihoods may be threatened by the incoming administration's proposed data collection policies. I know this is towing the line with politics, and I can see your eyes turning that color that you don't want me to. You don't want me to talk about politics, but. I think this is kind of germane because, you know, we see this previous history example of IBM having used counting machines. And they had they were used for the census. IBM had fantastic counting machines and sorting machines. Uh, and those were all before computers. And um, now that we may be entering another era of counting and sorting based on ethnicity and religious practices, we should... Uh, the, the people at neveragain.tech... Are just a, and there's a long list of names and people that you can scroll through, have all pledged their support to uh, not support any sort of counting and sorting of people. How do you guys, neither of you have had to deal with that in your heritage. <laughs> how, how, does that, how do you guys feel about it? I participated in the census, so I guess I've been counted and sorted. Wow, you know, I take yeah. that back. You're right. Yeah, I mean, everyone, government keeps... No, but they weren't me. sorting you into concentration camps. But they have the data to do it if they needed to. Yeah. What would they? What What would you put down? Oh, you always got to give a fake name, you know, stay fake off the radar. Part. Oh, yeah. Actually, in 2010, uh, when the census came around, I was living in Orlando. I had a roommate. Um, when, it, when I filled out the form, and he's like, yo, did you put I was I was living here? I'm like, yeah, because you do. And he's like, no, man, I'm trying to stay off the grid. I'm like, well, the cable's in your name, buddy. So good luck with that. You're on the grid. Yeah. You're literally, I'm off the grid because I don't have any bills in my name. But you, who've got electricity and cable, and, and, and we don't have gas or phones in Florida. So, um, yeah. 
I'm on the like same. No one has Maze gas. Have electricity. Unless you eat at Chipotle. But I'm. Uh, I feel finish. like I feel like that deserved more of a. <laughs> oh, you know, I for, I I forgot to. I didn't have that on my. I had to redo. Speaking of upgrading, the iOS 10.2 upgrade killed all the configuration on my iPad, so I had to reset up all the jingles and stuff for a show, which I'm sure our fans would have been. They would have been dying to hear the jingles if we couldn't get them back. But you know, um, by the way. Uh, a quick, quick note about iOS 10.2 and the music app. Uh, and this is another Johnny Needs His Knighthood taken away. Johnny Ive. They've moved the shuffle and repeat icons below the fold on the music app. So they were previously just icons to the left and right, the playhead. And, and then they said, well, icons, people know what these mean. So let's make them m less useful by adding the word of what the icon is that everybody already knows next to it. And then, so now they've embiggened it. But then they said, now let's move it below the fold. So and people don't know that there's stuff below the fold. So they'll never know. Well, this is really, it's really, it's really, really annoying. And I just, I just don't know. And every time I try to play music, the same three songs keep playing, and I thought I had Apple Music turned on, but it doesn't. Okay. That's where this is going. Anyway. It looks like... Uh, it looks like... Oh, one last bit of Apple, and then we can close that book. My service part is ready. Giggity? Oh, yeah. Service part. Oh, the battery. Yeah. The battery. I got an email. Actually, last week, you and I had a whole day together after the show, <laughs> and I and I refused to put out, and I know that you were really saddened, but um, no, we went, uh, what did we do? We walked around Brooklyn. We went, We ended up going to the World Trade Center Apple store, where I ended up, oh, I had my tape, I took my phone, um, and they said that my battery was actually there, even though they had planned to send it to an Apple store closer to me. Three days later, I get an email from the Apple store in Williamsburg saying my service part is here. And I am too immature to not laugh at service part. It's a That's little a good one. It's a little beavisy. It's almost like there's a service member involved in delivering that service part. No, that's like a fine wine of of dick jokes. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine wine of dick jokes, yes. And uh yeah. The champagne of toilet humor. There you go. So uh, I haven't got my battery replaced yet, but I was curious. What's your quick over-under as to, will my battery actually, when I go to do it, I might do it tomorrow, uh, that it'll be fixed and it'll actually, like, it won't, my phone won't continue to fuck up. With your luck, once you have the battery fixed, it's just going to be kernel panic after kernel panic. Uh, oh, come on. It's that's your, less it's likely to happen as on a non-jailbroken iPhone. Tyler? Uh, the iPhone 7 came out, so iPhone 6 parts will no longer work good. It will not get fixed. Wow. Why didn't you say that? That's actually a good answer. Because it's the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. I really agree with you. Um, because, I like, I got... Um, that's how I got this laptop. I, this laptop from 2013 only exists because I had a 2011 MacBook Pro that hit the, hit the dust. Uh, the graphics card exploded. And um, that's they, good. it took them three weeks. I had Apple Care. It took them three weeks to replace it. And then as soon as I got it, within four hours, it died again. Like mm. I said, your luck. <laughs> right. That's why I have the... Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, let's stay tuned for next week's episode where I find out if I have a cell phone. Um, 
Do you want to talk about uh, the EU ruled this week that data retention by ISPs is illegal within the EU? Did you you want to you want to talk about that? Uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. No. I mean, if you if you want, uh, we can uh, save it. We can uh, save uh, it. For I next don't think time. it's news. Well, I mean, it, well, it ha no, no, no. It is because <laughs> e e uh, ISPs in the EU had been required for two years to mm -hmm. to record and log all of people's data. Yeah. Um. And uh, now they say mass data retention is illegal. From Reuters, the mass retention of data is illegal, the European Union's highest court said on Wednesday, dealing a blow to, to Britain's newly passed surveillance law. Sorry, it's a little far away. Might need glasses soon. This isn't good. Uh, signaling that security concerns do not justify excessive privacy infringements. We talked earlier about the Snoopers Charter, which requires all ISPs in Britain to log everything that people do for a couple of years, just in case you're a terrorist. In Nothing. future news, no major European companies or countries abide by those rules. Well, no, they all had. Well, what's it, here's and this is this is great. Hashtag ironic because the England England's Britain is breaking away from the EU or trying to. Let's see if that happens. Trying to break away from the EU by saying, you know what, we've had enough of your overarching laws. We're gonna do it our own ourselves. They're and going then, all America. What? They're going all America all over you. Yeah, well, no. So what happens is they did that, and then they passed the Snoopers Charter, and now I think this is a nice middle finger to them from Brussels by saying, oh, you passed that thing, and now you want to leave us? Well, guess what? We're not letting that happen. So now you guys seem like you're more oppressed. Ugh. And, and that's the Snoopers Charter, and th it's so odd. This plus the Snoopers Charter plus Rule 41 on our side of the Atlantic that says basically the same thing. That is has gone into effect already. Rule 41 mm -hmm. uh, came into effect on December 1st, which says that the government can issue a warrant to track anything that's related to any terrorist. Tangentially, they've issued a meta warrant, which is not good because there's seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. So imagine just the amount of people he's connected to, and the amount. And then you might be they're just using that kind of algorithm to figure out whose stuff they can take and track and there's enough space available to where they can really just kind of keep it archived forever mm -hmm. what do you think christian do you uh i mean I, I, this just seems just like it's a horse being beaten that's already been dead for a while but it's not dead it's not dead at all because this stuff keeps happening no they exactly that's to... why i'm saying it's a dead horse this it's... has been a thing for a while now and it's like yeah it's bad but it's just gonna keep on happening What's going to keep on happening? Government surveillance over the internet. You say that like you don't even want to complete the sentence. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Why? It's just because this is a topic that's really just... I, you, I, you want us to just resign ourselves to the fact that it's going to happen and that we're just going to be tracked everywhere. There's no, nothing we can I'm do. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. It is an issue. There is definitely an issue. It's just an issue that it seems like no matter how much people complain, nothing's being done about it. I well... It's, I don't see governments ever really stopping it. Like, well, no, but we have, with all of the CISPA and the other SPAs laws, bills that they've had in the last, really this decade. Those weren't nice really push, surveillance. Those are so no, they were. They, 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 but that, were that was more so neutrality. neutrality. Yeah. That but was not Stopping the internet from being served like your cable package where you only get the premium. Which, of course, AT&T and no, found, they, found the loophole more. to that. And now, all mobile carriers have found the loophole to that. Yeah. Uh, T-Mobile, I think, was the first. Verizon's jumped on board. AT and T has jumped on board, and sure. that is yeah. offering bundled services with your mobile service. 
So if T-Mobile wants to bundle a music service, and they can, they, they can say, our music service doesn't count against your data cap. Isn't that nice? And um, you're like, yeah, that is nice. But does Spotify? Spotify does. So then Spotify is disadvantaged. And there's the net neutrality. But I thought CISPA and all these others had some kind of cybersecurity element to them. Anyway, so the what is our recommendation to the dear people of Brooklyn to just, it doesn't matter. Do something about do it. Do something about it. Call your, well, it's already done. Hide it's your over. daughters, hide your kids. There you go. Okay. Hide uh, your oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're screwed, is what you're saying. Because well, not that we're screwed. We haven't done anything about it. It's just happening and we're letting it happen. Well, whenever we try to do it's something about it, people complain about it. That's it. Right, but no, no. Yeah. I mean, there have been like with the CISPA stuff. There's that's not that. That's totally know, unrelated. Another type of thing that would happen if people didn't speak up. Yeah, and people least. spoke up about people, that. Yes. People aren't speaking speaking up enough about the surveillance stuff. They're saying, "Oh no, it's bad." That's yeah, it. That's true. Well, you know what? And now with all of the election stuff and the Snowding, Snowding, the Snowding, Snowden, and the WikiLeaks and all of that hacking and phishing and leaking. People might actually want increased surveillance now because they're like, oh my god, we we, we, we might have... I'm not going to say... You know what? Never mind. I was going to say something political, and I stopped myself. You should be happy with me. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was even getting up into that... Anyway. Slow clap. Uh, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, to touch on something from last week, we mentioned there was this nasty uh, problem with McAfee, mm -hmm. and also John McAfee, the person, has had some interesting hit life... Uh, here is a picture of him holding a Kalishnikov. That's not the right web page. <laughs> That's not the right web page. What's that word you said? AK-47. Oh. Whoa. Look at that traffic. Look at this traffic right here on the hutch. Um, Finally, we got someone on traffic at this place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it looks like... Hello, Tyler. It looks like the battery tunnel is really important. Yeah, they've been uh, closing down the mid the midtown tunnel. It's like one lane for a while now. They're closing down all the tunnels now. Oh, I don't know what happened. Anyway, I thought I had a picture of John McAfee holding a Kalishnikov. Anyway, because people over the radio can see that. I well, no, but I was trying to show you guys who could laugh. Why at do it. we care about tennis players holding guns? <laughs> That's McEnroe, <laughs> McAfee. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we talked about this nasty flaw in McAfee. Well, there's also a flaw in, in Norton and Symantec pro uh, products. A Google security researcher has found high severity vulnerabilities <laughs> in enterprise and consumer products from the antivirus vendor Symantec that could be used, uh, sorry, that could easily be exploited by hackers to take control of computers. Symantec released patches for the effective products, but while some products were updated automatically, some affected enterprise products could require manual intervention. So... One thing I should say is it seems like general consensus now is don't use an antivirus. If you have to use an antivirus, use a highly visible one, you know aka what? an open source one. How about this? How about this? I think this might almost be better than an antivirus. Do all of your nefarious web searching in a virtual machine. That's a different operating system. Because even the viruses can technically break out of VM uh, spaces. I, mean, I don't want to accidentally call so it a container and trigger you. But hold on, if they can break out of if they can break out of uh, VM spaces, it might even be harder for them to realize that the host is a completely different operating system than, than the guest. So interestingly, technically, Chrome is a sandbox. Like it uses the same technology as containers, and then takes it one step further and sandboxes it even further. Right. And so that Which, way, it it is kind of executing its own isolated context, but it's still. If the, you ever use Flash with Chrome, then that breaks out of the sandbox because Adobe sucks. Well, I, th I think Flash is disabled by default now. That's why. 
Well, yeah, in because, fact, on all those... Flash is inherently broken for uh, security reasons. Because it's made by Microsoft number two, Adobe. And yeah, they, they need to Apple. merge. No, no. Well, yeah. Microsoft and, and Adobe need to merge, much like Apple needs to buy Nintendo. I've been saying that for five years, and I really hope that happens. Uh, anyway, um, they found vulnerabilities in semantic code used to handle zip, rar, lzh, lha, cab, mine, and other... Oh, and PowerPoint files. Most of these flaws can lead to remote code execution and are wormable, meaning that they can be used to create computer worms. Quote, because Symantec uses a filter driver to intercept all system I.O., just emailing a file to a victim or sending them a link to an exploit is enough to trigger it. So they don't even have to open the email. You along with, along with can make PowerPoint files on my computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So along with Symantec's antivirus, it seems like the, all these things come with PHP too. So <laughs> pick your poison. I mean, I, can, I mean, hey, I'd, I'd love to write. I've seen some remote code executions in PHP. They're actually pretty cool. Yeah, because it's really easy to do remote code execution in PHP. Wow. No, oh. but I mean... <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, like JavaScript is a, is a real lock and key. Oh. Actually, it's more lock and key because of the way it's compiled. The, I don't even know what side. you guys mean by that fight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, what well, I guess we just told people to not, don't use, don't use antivirus stuff. But also, this is a really the people use it. antiviruses because they don't know how to use computers properly. Don't download screensavers. Don't. Download toolbars unless you really know what they are, and, and and if it's saying that it helps you out and you don't know what it is, it probably won't. And what's the third one? Don't use well, Windows in general. Just don't download things that you don't know what they are. Don't click li links in email. Don't go on stupid websites. Right. Well, and I say these specific things because someone who is near and dear to my heart always calls me for computer help, and every time, and I don't know, and I try to help him out, every time I try to help, it doesn't, it doesn't match up what I'm looking at, and when I finally go down there to see what the problem is, he only has like an inch of screen space between all of the toolbars and extra buttons and extra utilities and screensavers so, and stuff, and my computer's really slow. We well, gotta cut I, out all that I'd, shit. I'd recommend getting them a Chromebook, because aside from one certain thing that I got we, my, that's was, on our outline later. I, I said it was, I was my dad. I got yeah. my dad a MacBook because I thought that it was like, well, you know, viruses are a little better. Mm. Uh, he's managed to mess up a MacBook yeah. really well. Oh, I'm sure. It's actually not that hard. Challenge accepted. Now. Yeah, exactly. He, he, wait, he managed to mess up an iPhone that he got texts from Africa. He got a virus <laughs> on his phone that was they were using to proxy texts to Africa through his cell phone, and he got a $700 phone bill one month. Well, maybe ah. he blessed some rains down there, and they were thanking him for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, Remember? it's really... It's and when, I, when I found out that happened, and, and then, of course, I had to fix it, because, you know, why? what do I know? And I was like, how do you even try? Well, how do you even so try? So, my this? point was, if you get a Chromebook, it is... With this, the exception of one thing we have on our outline for later, it... It's pretty well locked down. It has automatic updates that don't even require a reboot. So they keep you up to date with all the security vulnerabilities. And not to mention it's running a kind of a Linux-based kernel, I should say. Well, why don't you talk about that? Because I believe we're running a little late with time. 
Uh, why don't you talk about the Core OS uh, vulnerability really quickly? Chrome OS. Chrome, I'm sorry. Core, core OS. Well, Chrome well, OS, well, one well, byte well, overflow. OS, well, Core OS uses the same update system. It is not the same OS. Okay. Yeah. Chrome OS exploit, one byte overflow and symlinks. So the article talks about a uh, happened to have a TCP port open on Chrome OS, and it was an HTTP proxy. And looking into it further, it uh, seemed to have a particular two lines that didn't smell right. I and smell right. There, there's a code smell to it. So is this all written in C? C++. C++. Actually, um, let me... Uh, why not just why not let me just double straight check that C? No, that is technically C there, even Ooh. though it's a C++ file. Ooh. Yeah. How does that work? Well, you can write, you can write C, C in, in C++. C++. It's just it's, uh, it goes through a whole different compiler pipeline. You could also technically write C. assembler. Assembly. Yes. In C++. <coughs> yes, you can. Yes. All right. So one byte overflow in a DNS library. So then this actually does buffer overflow, but using a very small amount that is triggered through that malloc call it has within mm. this code. I thought uh, I thought you weren't supposed to be using malloc anymore. You absolutely are. So, I thought there was like no, because it's not it's not as safe. I'm not saying don't allocate memory, but well, like I thought there was like a sandbox so method. N no, it's you still use malloc or calloc. It's just M malloc is saying, uh, give me just this base address on the the heap, and I'll uh, resize accordingly. Calloc says, give me the space on the um uh, on the uh, heap, and then I'll at first zero them all out to a very uh, to the zeroed value. And then from there, uh, populate it with that data. Ah. In C sharp, uh, doing memory allocation, you have to wrap it in an unsafe tag, though. Yeah. Um, a lot of these garbage collected languages that do give you that ability, do that. Go is the same way, where uh, if you want to deal with a pointer directly in the memory uh, underlying with whatever data you're dealing with, there's an entire unsafe library you have to work with. Interesting. There's also. Um for front end stuff, there's that React function dangerously set in her HTML. That's very different. I've never I heard no, of that. No, I'm just saying dangerous. And I think the comments say, if you use this file and you work at Facebook, you will be fired. So, because oh, not. well, there's remember that that was. I thought it was day. I thought it was like if we catch you, you never use this. If we, it's only here just in case. That was like if you're using like Any some direct this dot underscore render function. But yeah, interesting. So, this Chrome OS issue uh how bit how bad is it how big is it i mean it takes a lot of work to figure out so the likelihood of it happening i'd say is probably slim and the chrome os team is actually very good about pushing updates very quickly like i said chrome os has this great update system that uh without it without a reboot will just have you up to date with the latest thing hot reloading dark reloading sorry hot hot i thought no there's i read about so this thing called dark loading dark loading the Which way is that, what Facebook uses for updates. Yes. It's it, not that? It's similar, but it is different. So what Chrome OS does, and uh, likewise CoreOS, like I mentioned, uses the same update system. It's taking two partitions, and it actually loads up the new one, swaps it out, and then resizes the disk to the full image once it's And you could do this verified. while playing words with friends? Uh, I, I guess. Well, well, I mean, yeah. just while using your computer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because this article suggests that you can actually exploit it directly from JavaScript. Oh, yes. A direct yeah. exploit from JavaScript would accomplish in a single step what might otherwise take three, renderer code execution, browse code e browser code execution, and privsec to root. 
This means less work and fewer points of failure. It's convenient that shill and chrome are separate processes, so if the exploit fails and crashes shill, what's shill? I don't know offhand, actually. Oh. Uh, it won't bring down Chrome, and Shill is restarted automatically. I guess it's like a task runner for Chrome. Something that interfaces with the operating system. Um, and Shill is listening on a random port. It is a network portal detection, apparently. Interesting. So this attack, is that another... Oh, bubble? sorry, it's the connection manager's Shill, but its main feature is portal detection. Portal detection. Now you're thinking with portals. It's also what my Mexican family members like to do when they get home from work. They shill. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, right. Okay, Christian. So, uh, we have time for your big topic: infrastructure as code. So this kind of this idea kind of spawned out of uh, you mentioning it and then completely confusing it with a bunch of other infrastructure related. So things. we have things. These things are completely different. We have configuration management, mm -hmm. orchestration. Mm -hmm. Uh, images. Images, containers, virtual machines. Well, that can kind of tie into images in a way, but yeah. And containers and virtual machines are oh, not the same. Yes. Even though I've read on many articles people using the phrase VMware container. V VMware has its own container. Motherfucker. <laughs> never get this right. Okay. All right. So uh, let's. So, so what is what is uh, configuration management? So configuration management is a um, way of codifying your configuration in a reproducible manner. So that way, instead of when you having... say codifying, you mean codify, not co not co not writing it no, in code. No, co writing it in code. Oh, yes. Okay. And so what this allows you to do is instead of ha going onto each and every server and modifying your nginx config, it's just saying, I have um, this nginx config here, and I can even template in data instead of having to statically write this thing every time and then copy it onto servers 0 through n. Now, how do you write something in configuration management? So it depends on what you're using. There's um, the few uh, big ones are uh, Chef, Ansible, Puppet, and Salt. And so in the case of Chef, you're writing R Ruby, basically. In the case of Ansible and Salt, you're using YAML to actually write th th this stuff. And what runs these? So each thing has its own runtime. So, so there's a chef runtime, which is made up of a ton, tons of parts that I could actually spend an hour just talking about. And Ansible actually has this uh, Python-based uh, runtime that uh, just parses the YAML you, you, you give it, and then over SSH provisions the machine. Wow. Yep. Um, can, you, can you run these through something like Gulp and, and Grunt? I mean... Can you interface them with kind of a larger script? I, I, I really wouldn't. You, would, you wouldn't. Okay, so that's configuration management. Now, mm -hmm. where is the now? What is orchestration? Orchestration is the idea of uh, being able to place your wor workload in some arbitrary area of your cluster. Now, when you say workload, you mean I mean either your backend service, uh, your job that you need to run for. Well, data so purposes. is it is it the images plus configuration stuff plus your files and shit? Not necessarily. No. Yes and no. So it can do that. But in most cases, it's just saying I have this backend service or I need to run a job against my database and I need it to run it somewhere. And instead of saying I have a particular server that if it goes down, God forbid, I'm totally screwed, you have just arbitrary servers anywhere and you don't care where it's running, it's just running. Do, so there's orchestration, is orchestration saying I want to run this thing against this cloud of computers and they can no, be anywhere? It's just, I, I, wanna, I just want to run this thing, I don't care where it is. What spins up the specific servers? 
So the servers that that would be something like uh, there's uh, Terraform and Bosch. Okay, what's the Terraform? That, Terraform is a, a way of uh, codifying your actual state of your infrastructure. So t- uh, you you write uh, you have these users with these roles, and you create uh, particular servers on your particular cloud fl- platform, and that'll let you handle spinning that up. And Terraform can even trigger your uh, configuration management. Uh, really? Yes. So you can when you it can contr- it can trigger your configuration manager. Yes. So you okay. can have like a uh, chef recipe, an Ansible playbook, or uh, I didn't talk about it before, but uh, you can even just set a uh, cloud config, which certain things will use for on initial boot. Okay. Uh, basically, parse this config you pr- provide it, and all of a sudden, you'll end up with a bunch of uh, like your init system services configured or already out of the box and everything. Interesting. And so that's what I. That's how I, uh, where I work. Uh, I manage my core OS boxes. And you could also do that to set up to, Kubernetes, which to, oh right, and then could, goes to, into orchestration. Okay, and then orchestration is managing these computers that are set up. Yes. Well, managing the workloads on those computers. Managing the work. It's not setting up those computers. No, that would be more the configuration management plus to ter- something like Terraform. Now, Terraforming is infrastructure as cloud, isn't it? Infrastructure code, code. Sorry. Well, both configuration management and uh, Terraform is also considered a provider, but in the sense that it spins up servers for you, all of that is uh, infrastructure as code. So all of all of the things that we've just talked about are list are kind of bundled in the infrastructure as code minus the orchestration side, because those are a bit more some automated daemon that you're not writing code to manage because it's doing stuff. Yeah. Okay. You're instructing it. So Terraform. Give me an example of something. Is there something that, I mean, like a really small example, because mm-hmm. um, I don't work with giant data centers. What, like, what's a, what's a, is it even worth it for someone who's like a solo developer? Like me, I'm a, so, I'm a guy, I have the stuff on my computer. Do I really need to worry about this? Absolutely. Uh, particularly if you're just looking to give a demo and you don't want to pay for a server just to have it exist and you need to spin one up quick and you want to be able to reproduce it. Uh, the big thing is reproducibility here. So that way, if that server goes down, or if you just don't need the server or whatever, you're able to just hit go and it's there again. Now, what is the service that, what is it called when you monitor servers to see if they're down and automatically spin up new ones? And that's so, kind of, kind of That's a combination way. of monitoring and potentially auto-scaling. Auto-scaling... Auto, and that's not, is auto-scaling part of infrastructure as code? It can be set up through infrastructure as code. Okay. Is that, is but, that one of those things that can be codified? It's... You can configure it through code. Okay. Yeah. So, but the, all that's really saying is, uh, when your monitoring system sends some kind of signal, saying either, "Hey, I've got too much work," or, "Hey, we lost a server and we have a minimum of say four servers and you're down to three, then you're auto scaling, uh, which is usually, uh, if you're on like a public cloud, you have that by default, but you can also write an auto scaling service yourself to actually deal with this. And what do you write that in? Anything that can run as a daemon, so anything but PHP, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could run PHP. Hey, I've worked on a couple projects for some for some big people that are PHP daemons. I bet I could have them just run out of memory. But anyway, well, they, I mean, they might anyway. But... Anyway, uh, w- 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 so all of the, there's uh, things like Terraform to spin up your servers. There's things like uh, g- g- infrastructure. Um, Sorry, configuration management uh, to have this reproducibility, and then there's orchestration. But then what you actually package your workload in is some kind of image. So you have both a VM level image to deal with the actual operating system to say, and says where uh, the other approach of uh, saying um, 
you can either bake or fry, like what we mentioned earlier. Right. And so the baking is you have a, an image preloaded with everything you need. The frying is you have an image existing and it's running, and then you install everything you need on it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And then there's also the container image, which is, or just uh, another way. Is the way container of, image baked in, or fried too, or is that just? It's pretty much uh, baked. baked, but based on the approach that uh, both, uh, well, the more popular container runtimes uh, uh, build an image, which is just to say, take a file system tree and install the dependencies I need to run a single process, and then uh, go out to your orchestration system and find a place to run that. Interesting, interesting. Now, is is that what software-defined infrastructure is, or is that no? So, software-defined infrastructure is just any infrastructure that's software instead of hardware. Oh. So that'd be your orchestration, uh, your actual running containers. Okay. Yeah. Is that not, and that's part of the umbrella of infrastructure as code? No. No. No, it's separate from that. It's See, this a, it's is also like your, a radio show is really hard because you it's it's also be like nice your, to draw your SDNs, like a, so like software-defined networks. So instead of dealing with a bunch of actual uh, Ethernet cables there, you have some uh, software saying, hey, this virtual machine or this container has this IP address, and that's actually on this uh, host machine's IP address. And all those things is, uh, is just another way to have software-defined infrastructure. Interesting. Very interesting. Is that is that it? Uh, at a at a height at a higher level, yes. Interesting. What is uh, if you wanted to learn more about infrastructure as code, visit your local li the libraries. Don't exist. <laughs> what is a visit your what? libraries? Will say the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's where those uh, things you talked about last time, books. Oh are. yeah, books. Books. It's like Moog. It's like Moog with the O's. It's the long O. Ooh. Oh, it's Bokes. 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 Like yeah. Words on paper or something. <laughs> exactly. Paper? Exactly. Well, I think that's all the time that we have. All right. So, Tyler, uh, do you approve this week's pull request? Certainly. Christian, looks good to me. Well, because this is a special episode, I will ask if you want to be played out to some holiday music or just our usual merge and. and uh, and commit. I'll take the holiday music. You'll take the holiday music. Let's get festive. What if? But what if the holiday music is? Really I mean, bad? it's Christmas uh, according to okay, whoever's here. And festivist for the rest so of us. Show you how, to celebrate Hanukkah. how about a Hanukkah song? Sure. All right. Well, let's let's. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I can't listen. The song is too hilarious. I can't <laughs> listen to that and talk at the same time. Anyway, thank you all. Uh, let's hit merge and. Okay. Very good. And we'll see you all next week, <laughs> right here. On Radio okay. Free Brooklyn. You're my little brother, so I have to show you how to celebrate Hanukkah. This is called a dreidel. You spin it and see where it lands, and you sing this song. I have a little dreidel, I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, with dreidel I shall play. Oh, dreidel, 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 I made you out of clay. Dreidel, 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 with dreidel I shall play. Now you try it, Ike. Just spin it with your fingers like this.
It's so amazing. You spin this thing on the ground and it goes round and round. I could watch it all day. Let me try. I'll try to make it spin. It fell. I'll try again. Oh, treadle, treadle, treadle. I make you out of clay. Treadle, treadle, treadle. With treadle, I shall play. Hello, boys! Hi, Mom! Oh, how precious! You boys are all playing dreidel. Now you know that dreidel is a time-honored tradition for the Hebrew people. Yes, we know, Miss Bravnowski. It's so very interesting. 